Welcome to Middle Grade Mavens, where two author mums discuss their favourite middle grade books, provide recommendations and share insider industry tips for authors trying their hand at middle grade. Julie Ann Grasso is the author of the Frankie DuPont mystery series, cupcake enthusiast and part-time library book wrangler. Pamela Eucherman is a writer, dancer and homeschooling mum who sometimes finds time for sleep. Both Julie and Pamela devour middle grade books, not only for research, but to share with their combined brood of four munchkins. Yvette Poshoglin is the best-selling author of over 40 books for children and young readers. She writes the wildly popular Ella and Olivia series, the Puppy Diaries books and the Frankie Fox Girl Spy series and has written historical fiction including My Australian Story, Escape from Cockatoo Island. So welcome to Middle Grade Mavens, Yvette. Ah, oh, thank you so much for having me, Mavens. Maven is actually one of my favourite words. Oh, so, I love yeah, that. I'm happy to be here, Julie. <laughs> oh, we're so glad to have you on. It's It's been way too long in the making. All good. <laughs> All good. I am here and I am ready to chat. Well, yes, yes. So, oh, and I should say, did we say Dear Greta? Oh, we didn't. And her no, new release... Look. Um, Dear Greta, which we've just reviewed on episode 103, I think. So, yeah. Exciting. Let's Fantastic. Can't wait. We we need to know, where did you get your start in writing? Oh, look, I hung around it for a long time before doing anything about it. I think like so many people who are around books, it's inescapable. I think, you know, I started working in a bookshop at doing an English degree at uni, worked in a bookshop, left the degree to go and work in publishing, ended up working in children's books, learned a lot about that and then couldn't get away from it. And so that's, you know, it's been, that's kind of the best apprenticeship you could have. Um, worked with lots of wonderful authors and illustrators and got to see things at the coalface. But it really wasn't until I retrained as a teacher that I started to really develop story ideas I had done journalism bits and pieces of travel stuff and you know I always had lots of ideas but it it really wasn't until I was in a school setting and I just was listening to my students and there were just too many good things to use Um, and and I just I think also I the first brief that I had for writing was actually something that came to me and it was it was a non-fiction book and so it had very clear parameters and it meant that I, by the time I felt that book, I, I could do it. It's very yeah. different to writing fiction, but there was a sense of being able to achieve something. And then other things came through and Ella and Olivia started. That's quite a while ago now that it started. I've aged 12 years. They have not aged a day. <laughs> oh, <of course>. uh, <laughs> isn't that crazy? And and then other other many other books just have taken hold of me and I, I've had really felt like I've had no choice in the matter except I needed to write them. So yeah. my my novel about Cockatoo Island was like that. I just never set out to write a historical novel, but there was a story there and I went digging. So yeah. But I was I spent a lot of ta- time around editors and bookish people who I still am friends with to t- today. 
and they're definitely and now you know I just added lots of English teachers into the mix lots of librarians and they're just my people <laughs> yeah there's nothing like learning by osmosis and then no. putting it into practice yep mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well we yeah. want to talk about dear Greta that wonderful book that we did review hopefully you got to have a listen I have had a listen wonderful and how did that come about? How did it come into existence? Oh, you know, it's interesting. I, uh, it was written, the idea, the genesis was in 2020 and it was, I won't lie to you, it was around March 2020 when the pandemic started. And I was talking, you know, my day job, I work for the Department of Education in New South Wales and I work in a team that looks looks after, you know, helping teachers with technology and there were lots of things happening and some of the conversations we were having around was around how kids handling this, if we're not handling it as adults. Yeah. And it, there was an idea that I had already had. It was the first book that I had tried to write quite unsuccessfully um, 15 years ago and wow. it had some interest from a publisher, but it actually never went anywhere because I didn't know how to write it. it. It was a very rough first draft and the publisher had been good enough to read it and give me positive feedback. But I actually didn't know how to do a rewrite at that stage. So I sort of stuck it in a drawer and it was very similar. There are similar, similar veins and themes running through that about cooking and um, being Armenian and a grandmother character. Yeah. And then with all of this extra complication with pandemic and post bushfires, I just woke up one morning and I was just like, what would Greta Thunberg do? You know, what would she be thinking about this? And I have to say, sometimes books just come at you from nowhere. And I just, the idea, dear Greta, just came to me. And I don't know, sometimes you can get lucky. And a lot of it had to do with the title. And I can be a high concept person. The big problem is that then you have to back it up and write the story. So I, I had to sort of meld an old manuscript, let go of a lot of things that I'd already was partial to loved about my book 15 years ago but it was aged it was old-fashioned things have happened since then and then I ambitiously decided to write it entirely in this email format which looking back on it now was why would you do that this is just a complicating (laughs) factor but I just did it I don't know why but I actually felt there was some immediacy to it and I will say that my incredible editor did you know, we spent quite a lot of time crafting it because it was not the not the easiest thing I've ever, ever written. Yeah. Um, but you do learn a lot. You learn a lot about, you, you know, how much you want to follow through with an idea. And so, yes, I, I know that we're going to touch on that. But yeah, I think once the idea took hold, I thought, yes, I need to make this narrative device work. And yeah. that was actually the hard part because my character has a lot to say, but how she says it is quite challenging and it will be interesting to start hearing from the readers that have have read it in school how they're yeah. how they're finding it oh so, I 100 yeah. understand the concept of coming up with a title and then having yeah. to write the actual book <laughs> like yeah yeah I've wish, done that with I wish I wasn't really so good at that it's so yeah. hard isn't it and and the idea lives with you and it seeps through your pores and then you just have convinced yourself that this is it, this is what's going to happen. And then it is a very different thing to sit down and try and write it. And I will yeah. say, I, I wonder if you've had, had this experience as well, particularly in the last year, it was really hard to write. It's oh, been yeah. a yeah. very challenging time for, for everybody in every regard and finding the time to write on top of everything else and yep. finding that 
that that need that desire to follow through was yep. very hard at times and I think a lot of people are still you know we're still working through that and I I, I am myself you know it's yeah it's there's a lot yeah. lot happening there's a lot on our plates so yes. but then I don't know this this book is timely sadly in in many ways that we couldn't have even predicted so it's yeah. yeah, it's about it, understanding. I really wanted to write something that was real for for kids as well, that they were going through it, but actually they didn't dwell on the same things that we did. Yes. And they just moved through their days and they got through it and they bounced in and out of different settings. And somehow I just wished I could be like that a lot of the time because I could yeah. see that that was happening a lot. And, and that you know, parents and teachers and carers were just trying to come to terms with many changes themselves whereas the kids were like okay we can do this we'll jump into this it wasn't always yeah. perfect but yeah I wanted to capture that sense of maybe optimism that that kids do have at that age just particularly in my character Alice's age of 11 you just yeah. feel a bit you just roll with it and she she discovers her strength along the way in the story yeah beautifully done too yeah oh thank you <laughs> <laughs> and didn't know how I was going to pull it off at times. Oh, I know. I'm <laughs> sure we everyone there. we got there. I'm sure everyone thinks that, like after that first draft, and then that first um, structural edit of you know misery and doom, and then you see the <laughs> you see the grass with the trees at the end. I never get that term right. True. I'm sure that's no, good. but I I totally know what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think it's all about the grass on the outside. Yes. <laughs> or the grass in the trees and the thing I, you can I see, whatever the analogy is. Either. I mean, yeah, oh, do you need the trees even? <laughs> anyway. It's all good. I get it. <laughs> um, being, I think I always say this word wrong, epistolary in format, so letters or, you know, emails. Did you, like, when you actually started to write it, did you then sort of sketch a plot out so that you had an arc? Because, I mean, mm. emails can be very dry if you're not careful. Or did it just oh, yes. reveal itself to you as you went? I think what revealed itself was that it needed to be set in a very particular time. Mm. And when I started the story, it was in an amorphous period of time in lockdown. And then Obviously, as 2021 progressed, we went back into a terrible lockdown again in New South Wales and mm -hmm. it just changed everything. And so, therefore, the book wasn't actually going to work if it was set in that time. Right. So it was it was quite a different decision to actually anchor it in term one, 2021. So that was, to me, quite specific. And I don't think I've ever set a book that follows a timeline like that because it literally starts on the first day of school and ends on the last day of term one. Yeah. I'm not going to say that I got every entry right with the dates, yeah. uh, that my editor, my beautiful editor actually did so much of that checking for me and you'd be surprised how many times we looked at it and how hard that it was. Yeah. Um, so it kind of was an interesting constraint to have after a while, so after the first draft, to actually go back and say, okay, this is a very specific time frame. Harmony Day happens in the middle of this. That was another central yeah. time pe period that I had to sort of meet. And also the sense of the unknown at the end that this, the kids don't really know what's going to happen next, but they're okay with that. And, yeah. yeah, I think, yeah, it was a different way to write a book. Um, I think sometimes 
when you have a, a structure like that, it actually can help. And even the narrative device of the letters, mm. similar to some of the other books I've written, have like the, the novel of Cockatoo Island is written in diary format. And interestingly, I think there's a lot of crossover there. So yep. I think it's actually, it sometimes can be a bit of a, a uh, a support to your storyline if you mm. actually need that along the way but there was look, there was so much I wanted to say in this book and I probably threw everything in the kitchen sink at it so yeah um if you made it to the end thank you <laughs> congratulations because uh, no. there's pretty much many things that I think about daily and touchstones the things that I've dwelled on for years that that really did emerge in this and yeah. I'm really happy that it's out in the world I wouldn't have thought that the story that I originally had years ago became this yeah. one and thank god we had Greta Thunberg like thank yes. gosh we had her being the legend that she is and the beacon that she is for all of us because she actually pulled it into focus and it was almost scary doing the research on her and just knowing how incredibly powerful she is and yeah, even really at times watching her come into her power even yeah. while I'm writing it and Yep. lots of backdrops of powerful women last year you know and this year and we're still seeing that in everything playing out at the moment it's it's single women with strong voices who are pushing these agendas so yep. that was kind of fascinating to see that was still all unfolding and she's still only a teenager and yeah that that's yeah. kind of cool yeah mm. and yeah. Like, I learned so much about her because this is you know as much as you kind of hear a lot, but I didn't really uh, mm. see the timeline of her journey either. So that really sort of came alongside Alice's journey. So, yeah, yeah. really interesting. Yeah, cool. No, I think um, more Greta the better it is. The Greta yeah. the better we are. So, yeah. 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 She was well-named. <laughs> um, yes, and, and just what a legend. And we've talked about editing sort of um, and, you know, mm. we've got a lot of timeline checking, but was there, was there ever a point where you kind of went, no, I, I don't want to do that. I, you know, I just want to go this way or, mm. yeah, like how uh, did you sort of hit on yeah, those high I, low points? It's funny. I think once you're out the other side of it and you have a book out and you've got this chance to just go, yeah, gosh, that was such an easy, smooth process. And actually it was, <clears throat> pun me, like there were some pretty big structural edits that had to be done as the story kind of found its way. And I will say yeah. my my editor is just, oh, my goodness, she just deserves so much of this book. It's, it's her book as much as mine. She really helped draw Yep. many elements out and saw the forest for the trees that's the analogy. oh that's the same. and she saw it <laughs> and she saw it and and she she just knew what I wanted to say and it's it's fascinating because we we still to this point haven't met in person and yet we actually found out we live a few streets away from each other which is insane oh and God. we just thought the whole thing happened during the pandemic and yeah, and I just here, feel yeah. like yeah couldn't do it it was it was crazy times and yet that was the backdrop to writing a book with serious issues in it like climate change like pandemic like resilience like bushfires yeah. everything that's been thrown at us and yeah so I think I'm very very indebted to my editor and the team behind the book because they drew out the best and you know what they do they get rid of the dross and they yeah. it's but it's always entirely the writer's decision and that's that's wonderful to, to be in that position. And, yes, yeah, sometimes it hurts when you see 
you yeah. see what is needed. It, it yeah. is it is a very hard, unforgiving process at times, particularly particularly when a story is deeply personal and connected to you. And there are some some deeply personal aspects to this book that I needed to be able to step back and look at, yeah, you know, through a different lens and and accept that. And you know, God, writing a book it's cheaper than therapy. That's for sure. Yes. <laughs> yes. You do, do learn a lot about yourself and what you like to do and what you don't like to do. Having said that, there are times, you know, when I see it come through and I just think, I just, I just don't know if I can do this. Um, yeah. But I, you do get through it and you do by the time you finished and you do the proofreading and there's many, many people and players involved in that. You're in the hands of professionals and I take my, I dicks my lid to them because they know what they're doing and I, I just, I think they're, they're crafts, crafts people and they just know yep. what they're doing and yep. they, they ferry the book into the, into life. So yep. very much indebted to Nikki, my editor at, at Penguin Random House for her expertise oh, so, wow. and her friendship because it's a very close relationship. They know so much about you. They know how you might, they know all your writing habits. They pick your, they can pick your lines that you use and reuse. They know how you, they know your style. And so yep. it's a very personal relationship too um and when you have that all my my editors have I've had very special relationships with them and continue to and they're not certainly not things you just let go you're always in touch you're always there you know them you know where they're at even if you haven't done a book together in 10 years you know they're part of your part of your creation yeah so yeah big shout out to Nikki at at Kangwood Random House for her expertise and her guidance brilliant legend (laughs) Well, let's talk about the cover, which is just awesome, by Astrid Hicks. How did that come about and were you pee pants excited when you saw it? Oh, I have to tell you, it was very cool. Astrid and I actually crossed paths in publishing a long time ago now, maybe over, I don't know, 15 years. And she just, you know, she's very cool. She's just, she's just a cool person. And all of her artwork that's been coming out, all of her design, just obsessed. And I sort of had a very early discussion with the publisher and just said, I want Astrid to do it. And that's, that's it. No negotiations yep. will be entered into. And yep. the brilliant part was they were they were already on the same page. And honestly, the design, when it came through, it was almost immediately what we used. It, it was just perfect. And the colours are just outrageous. The colour yep. scheme... Yeah, I'm just so passionate about the cover. It's so brilliant and it stands out and the orange and the pink and the orange for Harmony Day and the letters and there's some of those, uh, the Zatar and the writing and, oh, my God, she just got got it all. So she's just a genius. And some of her other covers that have come out recently, oh, my gosh, they're just beautiful works of art. So they are very, very excited when I saw it. I was super happy. And oh, it's just a joy. I just keep them. I've got them everywhere. I've got them all over my house. and just a complete egomaniac, but I did not design yeah. the cover. Astrid is a genius. So thanks, yeah, Astrid. Yeah, you've got rights to, to show it everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. And it really does leap out on the shelf. So, yeah, yeah it's, it does. It's definitely. Yeah. So you are active in schools, I believe. I'm assuming this. Have you got a fun mm-hmm. story for us or perhaps even a memorable moment where someone's read your work and really connected with it? Mm-hmm. It's interesting because I went from teaching in a high school in Southwest Sydney and 
because I was writing Ella and Olivia's, they really didn't know or even believe me when I told them I was writing. And then they'd go and find them in the library. Oh, Miss Smith, I found your book. I didn't know you were you weren't joking, were you? I'm like, no, I wasn't joking. I'm serious about this. Anyway, so then, oh, my little sister reads these. So, yeah, that was, that's was that been really cute. I, I haven't been teaching in the classroom now for some years, but I am still deeply involved in education. Yeah. Um, I think the nicest thing about the school visits, which which sadly we all haven't done now for a couple of years, yeah. um, is has been it's, it's connecting with the readers and particularly the Ella and Olivia's because they're so passionate about those characters and it's actually kids from all walks of life that come dressed as those characters and I just love that and uh they have they they just to the T and there's kids that have had elaborate puppy costumes that is dressed up as the puppy from puppy diary um I look that never gets old and it's it's really beautiful because and you know I get lots of lovely messages from teachers from parents who are lovely lots of lovely parents during lockdown who were obviously doing work at home with the kids and just yeah. just dropped an email. And when you're working in such a silent vacuum sometimes, gosh, you just, yeah, you just that's really it, the best you? part. Yeah. It is. And it's really, it's just so bad for my ego because I have such a big head when I get those messages. But <laughs> honestly, it does keep me going because you just think, oh, my gosh, someone's reading this. This is, this yeah. is amazing. Soak um, it up. And yeah. Up. Yeah, and I, I put a lot of my own personal in-jokes in Ella and Olivia that Scholastic have just been brilliant. They let me run rampant with lots of storyline ideas and just they're things that they've kept in there just that amuse me more than anything else. I, I get, a, I get a, a kick out of it because I know kids are reading it and there are some some fun things that we've been able to add in along the way. And, and yeah, it's yep. just a very cool collaborative process working with your editors and yeah, it's it's a joy, um, and yeah, it can be it can be hijacker at times. But honestly, it's really that that feedback from readers that's just yeah, worthwhile. Amazing, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, if you could tell your pre-published author self one thing, what would it be? Oh, oh gosh, it, it's interesting. You know, it's it would be saying going back to them and saying. It's going to be kids' books, you know. I just isn't that funny. I yep. always thought I would gonna was gonna write. I love I love just reading across genre. I just am a wide reader. I you know thrillers, crime, anything literature. I did so much study at uni. I just oh, I was going to be a playwright. You know, so many. Yeah, I don't even know how to write a play. With all respect <laughs> to my friends who are playwrights, I actually wouldn't know how to do it. Um, sounds good, but I can't do it. Um, it's funny. I just actually never thought it was going to be kids' books, but it's it's just I spent my formative twenties in a children's publisher, and you just it's about it's about the people. It's the vibe of the thing. Everyone is united, and and I also was quite privileged to meet a lot of very influential authors and illustrators and publishers as well who cut who I cut my teeth with and yeah. I wasn't an editorial assistant I was a marketing person that was supporting sales reps with their flyers and but I just it's a buzz it's just yeah. like an insider's look at the whole the wizard behind the wizard of Oz you get to see how it all happens and particularly yeah. you know at the publisher I was at I met so many brilliant people it was just 
and they're still in this industry and they're still creating or they have their own imprints now or they're working in publishing houses, big or small or bespoke, and they just are applying their craft and they're developing new audience authors. And I think yeah. that's actually, for me, one of the most important things that I'm, I do in my, my work and as an author is I, want, I really want to develop that next generation of writers because we need to. We have to tell yeah. stories. I don't know how that's going to happen in this current climate, but we have to do that and we need to create them and we need to give them the space to tell their stories. That's right. Yep. Mm. Mm. So let's think about middle grade books. Is there one middle grade book you feel every child should have the opportunity of reading? Oh my goodness. This is one I actually just, I, I'm, oh gosh, it's really hard because it's, I'm aging myself by doing it because so mm. many of my formative stories were middle fiction and I think yeah. like a lot of middle fiction readers we were quite young probably when we were reading them um yeah. and I probably wouldn't put this in the middle fiction it's not it's not even fiction it's a diary of a young a young girl by Anne Frank and I, oh, and yeah. I know that doesn't kind of quite fit the bill here no definitely um, but I've definitely. been talking about that book this week and I just the power it had over me when I first read it not knowing that much about history um yeah. but having grown up Armenian and the genocide is something that is talked about constantly, whether you understand it or not. It's a story that comes handed down. My grandmother was a direct, you know, ex ex exponent of that experience. She escaped the genocide. And so there were so many parallels when I read it. You just think, oh, yep. my goodness. Um, I just still remember the, the hold that that book had over me and probably still continues to hold over me. Yep. But, but, you know, aside from those, that sort of story, I think, so many of the Robin Klein books when I was growing up, although, you know, maybe they would be classified as YA today. Yeah. They, there's the youngest viewing ones like Hating Alice and Ashley and, and books like that, Halfway Around the Galaxy. So many incredible authors just from my, my youth that, gosh, yeah. John Marsden, gosh, he was seminal in my time. And, um, oh, Jules, I'm sorry. It's really stumped me with this no, one. No, you've given me some Hope great. that answer was okay. Great examples. And... <laughs> I only read um, The Diary of Anne Frank maybe three years ago. Um, mm. I wasn't a reader as a child. I did read the Corrie Ten Boon, I think, um, The Hiding Place, maybe in yes. my 20s. Um, but I'd never, I'd never sort of, I wasn't a reader as a child. So I never got, I never read middle fiction much at all. Mm. So mm. Um, I was just gripped with Anne Frank. I it's... just was gripped from beginning to end and it's so weird because it's quite short and I mean I would go mm. there to see that place like you know I went there I was one of the first the first things I did when I could travel and I was in yep. my like mid-20s I'm going to Amsterdam I need yep. to see this I need to understand this yeah this has lived in my mind for so long yep. um yeah, and even mm -hmm. even another book I remember of that time, and there might have been quite a few books in that, that period, was Judith Kerr's book, When Hitler Stole Pink Rabbit. Oh, and I mean, yes. what a, firstly, what a visceral title. And I can still remember the cover from my childhood. It was yeah. so incredibly, cr the cover design, 
it just yeah. stopped you in your tracks and you pick it up not knowing anything about it. And I still remember being floored by that book as well. So yeah, yeah, I think they're probably a couple that stand out. Um, yeah, amazing. Yeah. No, great, great recommendations. <laughs> so what is next in the wings for Yvette? Because Dear Greta was very much a standalone. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well, there's never fear. There's, there's some Ella's and Olivia's in the works. Uh, never, never doubt that. <laughs> Just when I think Ella and Olivia have had enough of being seven yeah. and five and a half, they mm-hmm. come back again. So there's um, there's actually the, look a little bit of a spoiler. The next one is kind of it is a reading challenge based Ella and Olivia. So oh. it's, it's very exciting. And um, as someone who used to work on the premieres reading challenge in New South Wales, I'm very excited about that one. And I know how how wonderful reading challenges are and how, how big they are in schools now and even in preschools. Yeah. Um, so that's exciting. Um, and as for the next step, I, yes, there is something in the works, um, another standalone. Um, and I've recently started to spend a bit more time in Tasmania because I've semi sort of, sort of not really moved down here from Sydney. Yep. Yep. And honestly, the minute you step foot in this place, you just think, okay, it's another the stories world. here yeah. are just whew, yeah. there's so many stories and the house is a 200 nearly 200 year old house and it's definitely yeah. got its own stories and I'm learning a lot about this this little community here and just oh my goodness yeah. the stories just keep coming at me so I feel there could be something in the cards in that regard but yeah oh, I've always got, I've always got a billion ideas the problem is and it's probably like you as well I have I have thousands of ideas. It's just which one am I going to do and how am I going to do it? Yeah. How am I going to make it happen? Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's what's next. And I think, honestly, it is that sort of Pavlov's dog thing that you have to, if you get to release the book and I'm at the point where I've just the book's just come out and yeah. it's all rosy, you forget about the pain and then you yeah. just go, I'm going to do that again. I'm just going to do it all over again because this yeah. feels amazing right now. Have so, another baby. <laughs> have another baby. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I feel like there will be something coming. Um, and I think, you know, there will be something maybe historic, maybe historical, maybe Tassie. I don't know. There's definitely yeah. something on the boil, though. Yeah. But yeah. When the muse yeah. arrives, you will know. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And she's around. She's hanging around big time right now. So, good. good. Yes. And, and it always comes when I just think, oh, I'm going to have a little break now. She never yeah. lets me have that yeah. break. So, 3 a.m., yeah. <laughs> making oh, notes in the middle of the night. I I'm just like <laughs> looking at this going, what? when was that? I, what's happening yeah. with this notebook? <laughs> it's just never ending. I've got to just switch off sometimes, but I don't yeah. think any of us ever do. No. So, and, and there's also just so many good books out at the moment that I think mm-hmm. once I'm out of the phase of writing, it actually gives me time to get back into stories that other people have putting out at the moment and uh, there's just so many good ones and so many that I need to catch up on there was a couple of years there where I just didn't have the time to read as much as I wanted to so that's on the cards too oh good in your little cottage Mm -hmm. yep yeah yeah (laughs) once I learn how to do all the things that need to be done around here I don't yeah Yeah. basically this basic how do I look after sheep? How do I feed my oh, neighbours our packets? So there's some very basic questions that need yeah. to be answered. Yep. 
what a delight it has been, Yvette, to finally talk to you. <laughs> I know, it's so good. Where can we find you? Where can we find you online if we want Look, to? Look, I'm out? online. You can always find me and being a verbose sort of person, I will always write back. So uh, yes. um, I I will always get back in touch with you. And if something strikes me down and I can't, we will line up another chat. So um, yes, my, my website is a very good place, yvetteposh.com. And I own every ramification of that domain name uh, and its variants. So you'll find me. You can yeah. always drop me a line there. Um, but I'm most active on Instagram because it's probably my favourite social media platform just that's how I stay in touch with a lot of people like you and yes. a lot of friends. And I get to actually hear mostly about book news first on there. That is a really big source of book info for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think they're the main places and I look forward to catching up with people. And um, book week is going to be a fun week this year, I think, because mm-hmm. we'll be back in schools and we'll actually, yeah, there's been a lot of things that, that have happened in the last couple of years that I've been involved with big online festivals and they they've been fantastic but nothing really replaces being able to see see readers and talk to them yeah Yeah, so that's right so yes I will see you around the traps and I'm doing lots of different lots of festivals at the moment are still going ahead and some very cool things so um yeah you can just stay in touch with some of that news on my website but yeah Yes, very. You could always see where I'm at on Instagram. <laughs> Wondering yeah. what I had for lunch to look at Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> well, thank you again, Yvette, and come back on the show when you have your next book. Oh, for sure. And thank you so much, Jules, and to Pamela too. Um, such a beacon. I just, middle fiction is my absolute fave. And yep no dissing anyone else who works in picture books or YA I mean that's that's great for you guys (laughs) Um, but I just yeah there's something really powerful about this age group and I yeah I just I I can't find myself leaving it and my next book will definitely be middle fiction there's no doubt about it so found your niche yep yeah I love it I just love the voices and the possibility of this particular this particular age group because they're just oh, they're just on the periphery they're on the edge they're taking risks yeah and yeah there yeah there's a lot that can happen so thank you so much for having me absolute pleasure to be here no worries and good night thanks for stopping by middle grade mavens If you'd like to know more about the Mavens, log on to middlegradepodcast.com or to find Julie online, stop by julieandgrassobooks.com and to find Pamela, stop by www.ueckerman.net.